Welcome to the Wellbeing Rebellion, the podcast that's changing workplace cultures for good. We're your hosts, Ngazi Wella and Obehi Alafoje. Let's get this rebellion started. So, have you ever heard the expression, I'm not paranoid, they're just out to get me? Yeah. Well, we came across this really interesting new term called productivity paranoia. And I thought productivity paranoia would mean when I'm paranoid that I'm not being productive, but Obi said, don't be silly, that is not what it means. Productivity paranoia is actually a a phrase that's been coined by Microsoft. And it's where leaders are worrying that they their teams aren't as productive because the employees aren't working, even though they're working the same number of hours or the number of meetings and all the other activity metrics that they measure have increased. And this is a result of hybrid working, right? So productivity paranoia happens when the bosses can't actually see their employees working. Most companies have adopted a hybrid model post-pandemic with people back in the office two to three days each week. And Microsoft, in their wisdom, surveyed 20,000 people across the world in 11 countries. They analyzed trillions of Microsoft 365 productivity signals along with LinkedIn labor trends and glint people science findings. And the data points uh, to three urgent pivots, urgent pivots for leaders, if they're going to drive alignment and empower their people for new ways of working. Because as we all agree here on the Wellbeing Rebellion, when your employees thrive, your organization flourishes. So those key findings that Microsoft discovered and the three pivots that leaders need to make are they need to end the suspicion and the productivity paranoia. They need to embrace the fact that the only reason people want to work in the office is because there are other people there. We're not coming in to be more productive, we're coming in to be more social. And finally, they need to listen to their employees and learn from them. Find out what it is your employees want, need, and would benefit most from having in an in-office environment. In this episode of The Wellbeing Rebellion, we're going to talk a little bit about how you as HR and business leaders might go about achieving these three pivots. So we're going to start with the first one, and that's the first major point. As leaders, we need to let go of the old style of productivity metric. The one that says is how how much time someone spends how much effort based on the how stressed someone is. Um, that kind of where we praise people for the uh, 
extra work that they do and that somebody came to work at the weekend is how we measure that they were productive. So we need to let go of that. And instead, we need to be switched to a more sustainable way, which is the outcome. What is this this whole work we're trying people to we're trying to get our employees to do, our staff to do, what is the end result exactly? What are we trying to achieve in the end? That's the bit that we should be focused on. That's the bit we should be measuring. Are we getting to the where we need to get to? So we need to move from old style productivity time-based type stuff to outcome-focused approach. So we want to think, yes, we want to be able to measure and track how efficient your team is by getting, in terms of getting their task done. Um, and we can say, hey, what, what? give me a list of the things you've done all day. You can get that. Or you can think about, well, they're on their desk or not on their desk. One of my cousins, and I wouldn't, um, I was with them at a week. Um, and name got, them, name and shame them. I'm not going to name and shame them. And she got an app that allowed her mouse to move around. Nah, I yes, need to know does. who this is. Um, no, you know the kind in there. Spend the weekend. Also, well, whisper it to me. No, I'm not, gonna... <laughs> uh, um, not the one that you spend the mouth. weekend with. Uh. The mouth, and the mouse moves around. I said, "What have you got that for?" So that way, her bosses, because she's going to do laundry, or she's going to drop me off at at the station. Actually, so this was going to be she's going to meet him for ten minutes. And I thought, wow, look at the classic example of where the time is being measured in her organization as opposed to the actual work that they could produce at the end of that day. Such a waste of time. So it's being used to measure, to improve performance, but it don't actually work. What they do is just allow employees to find clever ways to give you what you want, which is to suggest that when you look at the metrics, you've been there for eight hours or nine hours or 10 hours. Ridiculous. We didn't need apps like this cousin who I now <laughs> know who you are, but I will not out you in public. We didn't need apps like that nowadays. If this has been a phenomenon that's always happened in the workplace. You'd have the people who would turn up early. and I can't remember what we called them. There was a nickname and I, I believe it was something like a, a chair jockey or something like that anyway. But you just always used to, you know, because back in those days you'd wear a suit to work. You'd come and you'd put your oh, suit yeah. jacket on the back of the chair, <laughs> log on, um, be in an app like your emails or Excel, and then you disappear down to the cafe. I don't say bugger off, but I don't yeah, know I know. Yeah, you would. You'd, you'd, you'd bugger off somewhere else into the office and, you know, have a coffee, have a chat, meet with someone, do the social bits. But meanwhile... Everyone's like, oh my gosh, look at her. She's been in since forever mm. because her jacket's at the at the desk. <laughs> that's not so no, yet. <laughs> and, and that's just a, a, a ridiculous way mm-hmm. to tell whether or not an employee's engaged. But we're just so used to it. We are essentially with with visual animals, right? Yeah. We believe what we see. So we can't believe. Uh, an employee's being productive when we can't even see what they're doing. We can imagine that they're sitting there watching episodes of Neighbours and Home and Away and drinking tea and dunking their digestives instead of doing work. That is very, very much not the case. And it's dangerous to actually walk around there because instead of your employees to be thinking of ways to innovate and be creative, they're thinking of creative ways so that they don't get called lazy. 
or it's just a waste of energy. So we need to think about the shift. We want them to start thinking whatever it takes. Sometimes I get my best ideas while I'm having a shower, when I'm doing nothing. So there is the, the, the I would always argue, they need a space. You need this empty space in the day where you can think, which is why we want people to take the lunch break, which is why we want people to go for walks. It's why, it's why we don't expect them to be chained to the desk. Because at some point, it, it's only in the not doing or not actively busy that they come up with ideas, the innovative solution they need to solve the problem your company or your organization is currently having. So this is just a classic uh, example of that. You just spend too much hours being creative in a, in a wrong area basically that's the thing that came up for me in this one Hmm. well the other one is about that uh employee employer communication right we we do tend to harp on about this a lot at uh, the well-being rebellion but line managers are the key to effective well-being strategy implementation because they are the ones who have a relationship with everyone else. It is so important that your line managers understand that they have not just a moral obligation, but a legal duty to support their teams, whether they are remote or hybrid, right? And they need to be cognizant of the stresses that they are putting on their employees or that their employees are under and be prepared to help alleviate them. Yes, it is that touchy-feely stuff. But this is a requirement, an essential requirement of the job of being a people manager. You have to care about the people. So if your employees don't feel like they're trusted, then you you will be putting undue emotional burdens on them. They start getting that working from home guilt where they work longer hours to compensate for the supposed benefit of working from home. And it's so easy for us to do. I'm very, very aware of the fact that um, when Obi was off recovering from surgery, I had no social life. I, it was literally just uh, seven days of working and working the most ridiculous hours and feeling guilty that I'm not spending time with the kids or with my husband. And therefore I'll, I'll spend time with them, but I'll have my laptop on my lap and all that kind of nonsense. It's so easy for us to do it when we're working from home. Your employees are much more likely to overwork when they're at home than they ever are to underwork. And that isn't good for productivity. You think it might be, and in the short term, they may be producing some good results, but in the long term, you run the risk of them burning out, the quality of the work they're producing um, being poor, uh, or resentment building up. And that is when you end up with your retention and attrition issues. So, and people burning out because they're working yeah. longer hours. And if you ask them how many days a week are you working, they'll just say 40. They haven't actually calculated all the extra little bits that they've been doing in between because, in their head, they're not even it's part of the day, it's just blurred into each other now. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to 
add to that back there. And also, when you talk about communicating, if you are obviously leading a team that is hybrid or in some in a lot of, in some cases still is still completely remote, that managing is slightly different. You have to adjust the skill set here. What works in person doesn't quite work online. So therefore, being able to keep in touch with your team um, and and checking in with them properly. Now, what I remember I worked, well, hybrid working, which were before the pandemic, actually, because I was going up and down the country delivering training and stuff like that. And so my team, um, this L&D team that we're part of, were actually majority, we were remote. We didn't actually have an office. We had um, different basic where we meet, London, um, Newcastle, and Leeds were the three areas that we would normally meet up. But one of the things that my line manager did with me was that we met in person for monthly supervision, monthly clinical meetings or whatever it is we did, right? It was in person. So that's some way of being able to manage those. So even if you see your team, they're mostly online. One-to-one, the monthly one-to-one you're doing might be better in person where possible. It's not always possible mm. to do that. Um, and for those people, in fact, I wouldn't encourage even differently, even if you work in the office and you're meeting in the office, if you could even take it out of the office uh, somewhere else, because then people are more likely to tell you what's going on for them. If they don't feel they're going to be overheard by other colleagues, it's easier to be overheard by some guy in a cafe. You don't know the person, so you don't really care. You're more likely to say what's going on for you than to talk about it while you know, Mary from accounting is just sitting behind there. No, that's not, it's not. So you have to be very mindful of things like that. Just because you want to have this really good, honest communication between you and your 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 direct reports. And managers need to be trained how to do those things and have those type of conversations, really. And they don't need to just be trained. They need to be empowered. By empowered, I mean the whole structure of how a manager's role is laid out in the organization needs to allow for this kind of communication. You need to give time for your managers to do it. So what we're finding is a lot of people complaining that line managers have too much work to do. Therefore, the one-to-ones that they're having are all about getting through that employee's deliverables. Mm. So the the checklists of, have you done this? How's that project working? Blah, blah, blah. Um, that doesn't leave much room for, no, but how are you really? And and that needs to happen, but it needs to be built into their job role. So that means HR, you as HR need to be looking at what is the role description? And does that mean we need to do some more resource balancing uh, to allow them to do it? But it is the only way we're going to adjust properly and effectively to this new expectation of the workplace right? Um, We need to also encourage discussions and idea generation amongst these managers. So are you talking to your managers about how they can improve their productivity and how um, they can improve their relationships with with their direct reports? That would help. Yeah, definitely. So the third and final point we wanted to make today was around, well, it's probably the most important of them. It's being able to have your organization value employee well-being as priority. You have to think our people are our resource. They are the best of what we have. Without them, things don't work. I know they would like to think of the AI and robot is fine, but it still won't work. You still need people. 
Okay, and so the idea of pushing employees to be more productive for metrics sakes, um, so returning to the office if it's not really particularly effective for them, that's not really helpful. It's just pushing them to work longer hours and it's just increasing the stress and it's not increasing creativity in any shape or form. So it be and also being honest. I mean, I'm I'm very sympathetic about organizations um who have already paid high rent for their office spaces and whatever, then, and you want your people to come in and use them, then tell them that. Don't tell them some about the fact that, oh, you want them to be creative together because, you know, teams need to be together. That's nothing. Just tell them, listen, we paid all this money <laughs> and we need to use it, so let's use it. People are more likely to help you and want to support you if they know the truth or the rationale behind something. They're more likely to say, you know what, yeah, let's organise when our team will come together how many days a week and we'll do that. So just... Don't lie to your people. Tell them return to the office because we want them. We want to make use of our, you know, the space that we bought. So that's one thing I wanted to share there as well. And also, it's important to prioritize well-being as a business goal. It is crucial for the kind of ways of working that we have going forward. It's not going to change anytime soon. We're never going to return to how we work before the pandemic. Um, our eyes are open. We can't unclose them. Our kids' eyes are open. They've seen how working from home works now. They see their parents involved in 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 their in their lives. They now know that that's what they're going to expect from themselves as well. So the idea, the genie cannot go back into the bottle. So I want to be asking yourself as HR lead in your organization are these questions in terms of making sure that mental health is a priority there or at least employee well-being is a priority does your organization have a mental health strategy and by that i mean a thought well isn't that the word no well thought through well thought through (laughs) well thought through um strategy um and how did you come about designing that strategy did you just do that by yourself in the office um did you do that as just an hr team and you didn't necessarily involve the other stakeholders in the organization to design it did you just download one on the internet especially small business because i know it's not easy to you know sometimes decide to invest in a consultant to come and help you do it so it might be easier to download one off the internet and just put your logo and then front row here we go mental health strategy so think about that does your organization have an effective mental health strategy second question do you signpost employee to employer system programs or cognitive behavior therapy sessions to support them particularly through stressful periods in their life do you have that do you know the quality of those eap that you've invested in already have you yourself hr leader called those eap services to find out more information about how you might access it yourself have you used it yourself for real when you were struggling with whatever thing you were struggling with three months ago? So that's another question I want you to think about. The other question is, are your line managers equipped with the tools they need to have sensitive conversations around mental health with their team members? And when I mean equipped with the tools, the skill set, the reflective practice, are they, do they have that? Have you created space for them to access those things? Or are they self-studying themselves are they figuring out based on the type of person they are and for every employee in your organization are they are the way they flourish in the organization is that dependent on the manager they happen to have 
Is that lock of the door? Is that what's happening in your organization? And then do you have policies in place that establish and promote and protect mental health in the workplace? Can every staff or every employee have access and can find these policies? And can they see themselves reflected in that policy? And finally, do you plan to or are you already actively investing in mental health? And I don't mean the random workshop that you put or the talk that you put for Mental Health Awareness Day. I'm talking about across the year, are there activities that you're doing and how are you investing in your people through mental health initiative? So the answer to this question can help you gauge what you're already doing, um, what you need to do, and whether or not you are proactively looking after yourself as a HR lead and the mental health of your team and your employees in general. Okay, at the moment, with 49% of respondents to the Champions Health Global Productivity 2022 survey rated their productivity as average or worse than the previous year. So it kind of makes sense that people are getting drained, their productivity is being affected. And so the idea of productivity paranoia, we have to change how we're seeing our employees and how we um, encourage them to work and how we promote their well-being for them to do their very best work. The huge opportunity for organizations to benefit from productivity gained by prioritizing mental health. Yeah, because it's not that people are deliberately trying not to be productive for the most part. It's that we're tired and we need support, right? So how can we support them? And that is everybody in the organization. That is you in in human resources or, or people leadership, as well as the people that report into you. What can we do to help you produce the the, the kind of work that we know and we recruited you to do. So that's it. We'll look forward to catching up with you again on another exciting and informative episode of the Wellbeing Rebellion. Until then, take care. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wellbeing Rebellion. If you liked what you just heard, please share it with your colleagues, Follow us on LinkedIn. The link will be in the show notes and generally show us some love. We want to build a whole army of fellow rebels who want to create positive workplaces for everyone. Will you join the rebellion? See you next time.